stay till I've made you marry if worthy of friends and not prevented me. Good France. Your worth is very dear in my regard. I take it your own business calls on you and you embrace the occasion to depart. Good morrow, my good lords. Signor Bersani, when shall we laugh? We'll make our leisures to attend on yours. Uh, my lord Bersani, since you have found Antonio, we four will leave you. But at dinner time, I pray you, have in mind where we must meet. I will not fail you. You look not well, Signor Antonio. Mm -hmm. They lose the world that buy it with much care. <laughs> Believe me, you are marvellously changed. <laughs> I hold the world, but as the world, Graciano, a stage where every man must play a part in mine a sad one. Let me play the fool. With mirth and laughter, let our wrinkles come. Why should a man whose blood is warm within sit like his grandsire, cut in alabaster, <laughs> that sleep when he wakes and creep into the jaundice by being peevish? Oh, I tell thee what, Antonio, I love thee, and tis my love that speaks. There there are a sort of men oh. whose visages do cream and mantle like a standing pot <laughs> and do a willful stillness entertain with purpose to be dressed in an opinion of wisdom, gravity, profound conceit. Uh, <laughs> oh, my Antonio, I do know of these that therefore are only reputed wise for saying nothing. Uh, I'll tell thee more of this another time. Uh, <laughs> Come to Lorenzo, fare ye well a while. I'll end my exhortation after dinner. Well, we will leave you then till dinner time. I must be one of these same dumb wise men for Graciano never lets me speak. Well, well, keep me company, but two years more thou shalt not know the sound of thine own tongue. <laughs> Fare you well. I'll grow a talker for this gear. <laughs> Is that anything now? Graciano speaks an infinite deal of nothing, more than any man in all Venice. <laughs> His reasons are as two grains of wheat hid in two bushels of chaff. You shall seek all day ere you find them, and when you have them, they're not worth the search. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell me now, Bassanio, who is this lady to whom you swore a secret pilgrimage that you today promised to tell me of? It is not unknown to you, Antonio, how much I have enfeebled my estate hmm. by something showing a more swelling style than my faint means would grant. Nor do I now make moan to be reduced from such a noble rate. But my chief care is to come fairly off from the great debts wherein my time, something too prodigal, has left me gauged. To you, Antonio, I owe the most in money and in love. And from your love, I have a warranty to unburthen all my plots and purposes, how to get clear of all the debts I owe. I pray you, good Bassanio, let me know it. And if it stand as you yourself still do within the eye of honour, be assured my purse, my person, my extremest means lie all unlocked to your occasions. In my school days, when I had lost one shaft, I shot his fellow of the self-same flight, the self-same way, with more advised watch, to find the other forth. And by adventuring both, I oft found both. I urge this childhood proof, because what follows is pure innocence. <laughs> I owe you much, and like a willful youth, that which I owe is lost. But if you please to shoot another arrow uh, that same way which you did shoot the first, I do not doubt, as I will watch the aim, or to find both, or bring your latter hazard back again, and thankfully rest debtor for the first. <laughs> you know me well. <laughs> and herein spend but time to wind about my love with circumstance. 
And out of doubt, you do me now more wrong in making question of my uttermost than if you had made waste of all I have. <laughs> then do but say to me what I should do that in your knowledge may by me be done, and I'm pressed unto it. Therefore speak. In Belmont is a lady richly left. And she is fair. And fairer than that word of wondrous virtues. Sometimes from her eyes I did receive fair speechless messages. Her name is Portia. Nothing undervalued to Cato's daughter Brutus Portia. Nor is the wide world ignorant of her worth. For the four winds blow in from every coast renowned suitors. And her sunny locks hang on her temples like a golden fleece. And many Jasons come in quest of her. Oh my Antonio. Had I but the means to hold a rival pace with one of them. I then should question must be fortunate. Thou knowest that all my fortunes are at sea. Neither have I money nor commodity to raise a present sum. Therefore go forth, try what my credit can in Venice do. <laughs> it shall be stretched even to the uttermost to furnish thee to Belmont, to fair Portia. Go presently inquire, and so will I where money is. And I no question make to have it on my credit or for my sake. Trust, Nerissa, my little body is weary of this great world. You would be, sweet madam, if your miseries were in the same abundance as your good fortunes are. And yet, for aught I see, they are as sacred surfeit with too much as they that starve with nothing. Good sentences and well pronounced. You would be better if well followed. If to do were as easy as to know what were good to do, Chapels had been churches, and poor men's cottages, princes' palaces. It is a good divine that follows his own instructions. But this reasoning is not in the fashion to choose me a husband. Oh, me, the word choose. I may neither choose whom I would, nor refuse whom I dislike. So is the will of a living daughter curbed by the will of a dead father. Is it not hard, Nerissa, that I cannot choose my husband, nor refuse none? Your father was ever virtuous, and holy men at their death have good inspirations. And hence, the lottery that he hath devised in these three chests of gold, silver, and lead, whereby whoever understands his meaning chooses you. You will no doubt be chosen by one who you shall rightly love. But what warmth is there in your affection towards any of these princely suitors that are already come? I pray thee, name them. And as thou namest them, I will describe them. And according to my description, level at my affection. First... There is the Neapolitan prince. Oh, aye, there is a colt indeed, for he does nothing but talk of his horse. <laughs> <laughs> then there is the county palatine. He does nothing but frown. I had rather be married to a death head with a bone in his mouth than to either of these. If he should offer to choose and choose the right casket, you should refuse to perform your father's will if you refuse to accept him. 
How say you to the French lord, Monsieur Vibon? <laughs> God made him, and therefore let him pass for a man. In truth, I know it is a sin to be a mocker. But he... Why, he has a horse better than the Neapolitans. A better bad habit of frowning than the Count Palatine. He is every man in no man. You need not fear, lady, the having of any of these lords. Unless you may be won by some other way than your father's imposition, depending on the caskets. If I live to be as old as Sibylla, I will die as chaste as Diana, unless I be obtained in the manner of my father's will. Do you not remember, lady, in your father's time, a Venetian, a scholar and a soldier that came hither in the company of the Marquis of Montferrat? Yes. Yes. It was Bassanio. Mm. As I think so was he called. True, madam. He of all the men that ever my foolish eyes looked upon was the best deserving of fair lady. I remember him well. <clears throat> How now? What news? Uh, the four strangers seek for you, madam, to take their leave. And there is a forerunner come from a fifth. The Prince of Morocco. It brings word the Prince's master will be here tonight. If I could bid the fifth welcome with so good heart as I can bid the other four farewell, I should be glad of his approach. If he have the condition of a saint and the complexion of a devil, I had rather he should shrive me than wive me. <laughs> Come, Nerissa. Sirrah, go before. Whilst we shut the gate upon one wooer, another knocks at the door. Mm -hmm.